Hello, I'm Matthew Bannister, and this is a delicious taster of the joys of my multi-award-winning Folk on Foot podcast. The idea is simple. In each episode, I go walking with a top folk artist in a landscape that's inspired their music, and they sing and play on location. We learn about history, the natural world, and the experiences that have shaped the artist's careers. Writing in The Telegraph, Charlotte Runcie summed it up like this. The music is transcendent, the sense of place transporting, and if you need escape from politics, from illness, from anything, it's a restorative breathing space in sound. On our travels across the UK and Ireland, we're often blessed by the sounds of the natural world combining with beautiful music, as we found when we walked with Corinne Polwart on Fallow Moor, near her home in Midlothian. In English lore, the curlew is one of the seven whistlers, along with the golden plover, which is another bird you would hear here. And there's seven seven whistling birds. Here he comes, gosh, he's so close. Here he is. Amazing. But there are seven birds with a very similar doleful plaintive cry. And this is interesting because to me, curlews and plovers sound sad and skylarks sound happy. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's true. like you're it's making true. those, and they're just like they're connections that you're making purely based upon the meaning you're attaching to the sound that you hear. Um, and so the, the plover and the curlew are one of the seven, seven whistlers, and they're said to that when the seven whistlers all sing together, the end of the world is here. So Good job we've only got one of them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this one's flying in circles very close yeah, to us, isn't it? Yeah, well, he's, they're maybe nesting and maybe, maybe he's a little bit anxious. So, gosh, have I got... I don't have any curlews. Get my, I'll get my wee... Kareem, you've got a bag as well as the guitar case. You've brought a bag. Have you got something interesting in there? Yeah. Uh, yes. I have a Clark's song. shoebox. So what's this instrument you've taken out of the Clark's shoebox? It's called a sansula. Um, so it's a, it's an adaptation of various um, West African thumb pianos, like Mbira, Kalimba, um, but it's been given a kind of resonating skin. So that's made of wood, is it? It's but... made of wood. This is made of a uh, uh, calf skin, maybe. I'm not sure what the top is, but it has a... And if you have it against the flat surface, it makes a beautiful kind of wah-wah sound. But I've got a little song which is inspired by the mood itself. And actually, it, it, one of the great things about coming to make a theatre piece is, is realising that as a folk singer, I've got a little kind of karaoke jukebox in my head. So when I laid out the arc of the theatre piece, um, I was looking for songs that connected with different things. And one of them was Heather. And of course, Scottish traditional canon is full of songs about Heather, Heather and Broom and Wynn are everywhere so this is one of them and it's a song I learned from Alison McMorland who's one of the greatest uh, tradition bearers As I was walking our yon hill All on the summer's evening Skipping barefoot through the heather. Mm. 
At the other end of the country, Seth Lakeman stood silhouetted against a bright blue sky on Dartmoor to perform his locally inspired song, Kitty J. Kitty J was a, a, a servant girl who um, was disgraced because she fell pregnant uh, from a, a landowner's son. Um, and in those days, you know, it was very frowned upon. So she hanged herself. And instead of being buried, you know, in, in consecrated ground, she had, she'd be buried at a crossroads. So that's at Manhattan there. And so her grave, Mary J or Jay's grave, is is there and uh, there's flowers that have appeared through the 200 years that she's been laid there by an unknown hand. I mean, that's how the kind of legend has developed and I guess people are leaving things themselves. But there are fresh flowers there. It's extraordinary. I was showing my children saying they're always going to be fresh flowers. Whatever it is, snowy, summer days, there's always going to be these fresh flowers just on the base. As if by magic. Yeah, exactly. It's a wonderful, wonderful story, yeah. I mean, obviously we could sing it by her grave, but looking out here, we've climbed up now to a vantage point where we can see the moor spread out around us, 360 degrees, and there's a tour over there to the left, which is a hill, for those who don't know Devon, and the trees are carpeting down to the reservoir in the valley below. So what an amazing setting to hear Kitty J. In Northumberland, we were privileged to join the Unthanks for one of their celebrated singing weekends. We go up on a Thursday and start prepping the food. And me and Becky are in charge of crumbles and cakes. And then, yeah, everybody arrives on the Friday. About 50 people and we sing harmony songs with them and teach them song, different songs and a bit of harmony. And then we also teach them a lot of chorus songs so that we've got like a common repertoire because the next day we go for a walk on the beach and sing on the beach. Wonderful. And this, t- this time we were singing a selkie song, so we were singing, we were hoping some selkies might come. These out are the, the sea. like mermaids, aren't they, selkies? Well, they're like seals in the, in the sea, but when they take their seal skins off, they turn into human form, and there's lots of traditional songs, and so we did that, and then we go and sing in the pub. And yes, have a, that's another ship in, isn't it, in sea houses? We always go to the, one of the ship inns. Right. <laughs> and it's an amazing place because it's full of uh, seafaring nautical memorabilia. And it's a really... And fishermen. There was real-life fishermen there There were some there fishermen well. there. <laughs> and, and, and it's a kind of L-shaped room with a fire at one end. And yeah. everyone crams in. They do. We just have to... They always say, oh, there's no room. And I'm like, just keep going, keep going. Push <laughs> in, get in. There'll be room, there'll be room. But it's also they have a really hot fire, so you can get a bit hot. But we have a good singing session there, and so we've got a shared repertoire already. We can all sing together, but actually, quite often, one of them will, a few of them will sing, and that's really nice. I had 
Danny Gore, Danny Pitchard. Now I've gotten two or three. Walker Pitt's done well by me. Biker Hill and Walker Shaw, Collier lads forevermore. Biker Hill and Walker Shaw, Collier lads forevermore. And he had a pig, he hit it with a shovel and it danced a jig. All the way to Walker Shaw, to the tune of Elsie Marnie. Biker Hill and Walker Shaw, the sea has often been a backdrop for our episodes. The fiddle player Duncan Chisholm took us for a four-mile walk to his favourite remote beach at Sandwood Bay on the far northwestern tip of Scotland. weather coming in here can be incredible it's beautiful today but uh, you can imagine it on a really stormy night there's no be... shelter no there's no. nowhere to hide is there if a storm comes it must in be amazing air. it must be amazing my co-writer on a lot of the music we created for Sandwood, Hamish Napier. He visited once, he took about a thousand photos. The day that he was here, he took this amazing panorama south from Ambuachal up to the cliffs of Cape Wrath. And Ambuachal was framed in blue sky and Cape Wrath was framed in blue sky. And in the middle was this incredible blackness and uh, there was even red tinge to it. And it was this incredible storm that was coming in and I loved the photo so much. It had a real symmetry to it, and it was the inspiration for one of the tracks on the album called Haze Across the Sun. I'd love to hear it. Right you are. Okay. <laughs> And Jenny Sturgeon introduced us to the amazing bird life on Shetland. So we just come to the edge of the cliff here, really, and we're looking down a steep, steep cliff and across to another green swathe towering up, actually, on the other side of the, an inlet of the sea. And the, the birds are just gathered in their scores and hundreds down there on the, on the rock which sticks out over the sea below us. And the ocean's a kind of leaden grey colour today because the cloud's low and the, and the mist is lowering. It's very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> We're also surrounded by lots of thrift, so it's this lovely pink flower which is found all over the coast. And there's a big, big breeze blowing us towards the edge. <laughs> there's a 
a lot of guillemots just down here. Oh, a huge crowd of them. They're on eggs and then razorbills out on the sea and then loads of fulmers on this this cliff here. They're just dotted all the way up the cliff in amongst the greenery. Yeah. And so are they sitting on, on nests there or are they yes. just roosting? Oh, they're on nests. Yeah. There's a few kittiwakes as well down at the bottom. So that one that just came in there is a fulmer. They, they kind of in some ways look a little bit similar, that they've got grey wings and a white body. But that one that's just come off the cliffs and flying underneath us now, going around in a circle, that's, that's a kittiwake. They're a bit more delicate than the fulmers and they make the kittiwake, kittiwake sound. Uh, this is amazing. I've never seen such a large concentration of birds sitting on nests before. Oh, and there's a shag right down at the bottom. Oh, and a puffin! There's a puffin! <laughs> oh, yes. You see it? Yes. Just sitting on that little outcrop of rock there. It's bright orange feet oh. and amazing bill. Very colourful. And are there lots of them here usually? Yeah, it's very hit or miss whether you see them. So sometimes there'll be hundreds in and they'll come right up to your feet and nibble on your shoelaces. Oh, really? Things like that. Yeah, they're really not fussed about people. But it's, yeah, hit or miss as to whether they're here, depending on the weather, I think, and whether they're feeding out at sea. And there's quite often little wrens on these cliffs as well. Can't hear any singing at the moment, but they'd like it here. And it sounds like it's a sort of echo chamber down there, and the, you can hear the sound echoing around yeah. of their cries, can't you, yeah, in, yeah. In, off, the, off the rocks of the cliffs. On a scorching hot day, the nature writer Robert McFarlane and the actor and musician Johnny Flynn invited us to Wandlebury Country Park near Cambridge to share the secrets of their friendship and creative partnership. Well, I had a friend called Henry and he made me mix CDs. He made me more than 100 mix CDs over about 10 years and he really shaped my music tastes in that decade, so my 20s into my 30s. And on one of them was this song by a man called Johnny Flynn and it was called uh, Ghost of O'Donoghue. I just remember listening to it and hearing these opening and it just I felt this kind of shiver and stillness go through me and then this incredible strange song and thought you know who's the ghost who's O'Donoghue what, what do these <laughs> words mean? Um, <laughs> and, <you> know? <laughs> uh, no I've got no idea Johnny I'm hoping you might tell me today but uh, um, and then it became such a, a core song for me, deep in my soul, and I would sing it in my head in the mountains, almost at one point to a problematic degree when I fell in a crevasse in the Swiss Alps not long after I'd stopped humming it. Um, but anyway, and I got it. You became the ghost of Robert McFarlane. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah exactly. My, my, Johnny, will you write my epitaph song? Is that, is, that, is that too heavy a question for a sunny day? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. So it really made a big impression on you. Just huge, um, and uh, it still does. I mean, I, I can't get enough of it, really. I still listen to it and find new things in it, and it sits with me always and always will. And when I was walking, I was walking this book called The Old Ways, which actually begins here, leaving my home, walking the footpath that leads to the Roman road that leads to the Icknield Way, this Neolithic trackway. Mm. And, um, Sorry, <laughs> see Johnny's got his guitar with him. Johnny's fascinated by spiders. Or... I'm still here. Yeah. No, there's some insect that I think it's gone now. I'm trying it's to gone. get down my shirt. Let me have a check. Yeah, all clear. Um, yeah, 
you know, you've got this jukebox in your brain when you're walking, don't you? And you stick a dime in the brain jukebox and out comes, <laughs> you know, in my case, almost entirely Johnny Flynn songs. <laughs> oh. Johnny, you wouldn't care to sing the song for us, would you? Oh, I'd love to sing it. the days you know where you'll be well know what you see roots in my chains so all that remains is a bowl from place to blame we left our homes in the spring sunshine things came alive when I knew they weren't mine falling in line didn't matter at all the cold. This is the calendar. These are the days. You know where you'll be. You won't know what you'll see. Roots in my chain. So all that remains is a bowl from place to place. But we don't just walk in rural settings. We've recorded a number of journeys in towns and cities, including London, which was the scene of a memorable episode in which the great guitarist and songwriter Richard Thompson took me to his old haunts in Muswell Hill, remembering how he and his Fairport Convention bandmates invented folk rock there in the 1960s. How did you meet Ashley Hutchings and Simon Nicholl? Through a school friend. I had a friend at William Ellis School who lived around here. And uh, he said, oh, you, you must meet my friend Ashley, you know. And Simon was playing it in one of Ashley's bands as well. And at some point we, we thought, well, let's form a kind of a folk rock band. Let, let's be like the Loving Spoonful of the Birds. So we're on Fortis Green Road now. Famous. <laughs> Famous, Famous through fair. And we're heading for the Fairport House, which is where Simon and Ashley used to live. Is that right? Simon's parents owned it. They were renting it out. And Ashley was renting a room there. Right. But we used to rehearse there. I had a big space we could use for rehearsal. And here we are, just poking our heads around the hedge, the Leylandii, the sign Indeed. that says Fairport, is still here. It's kind of wooden sign. It is a wooden sign. It has a, has a, a boat on it. Uh, Fairport was the nickname for the town of Arbroath in Scotland, hence the boat. We used to rehearse upstairs there. It's Fairport Convention. <laughs> What does it feel like to be back? Good, I mean, I've driven past it a few times. This hasn't changed at all, really. It's, it's a cream-painted house with a rather spectacular chimney on top, hasn't it? I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's mock something, isn't it? Well, it's, it's mock Tudor, isn't it? Or mock Elizabethan. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you do? My name's Athos Idiadis. Yeah. Athos, lovely I've to meet you. since 1968, and I've lived here since 1975. Do you mind if we ask Richard to sing a Fairport Convention song here? He no, is yeah, the no, founder no, of Fairport Convention. I, it's not the yeah. first time. No, I get people coming around. I, I you know you do. Yeah. Yeah, we used to rehearse upstairs. Yeah. I remember the boys when I first bought here. Oh, really? <laughs> I've got a photo of Dr Munro, who built the house. Right, Dr Munro, yeah. Munro. Yeah. And it's got his carriage with his... The horse and carriage. The horse and carriage oh, outside the door here. Oh, oh fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. He came from Scotland and he had this built and he had his surgery downstairs and on the top that's where he used to live. 
say There come the day I'll be making songs Or finding better words These ideas never lasted long The way is up Along the road there's growing fun Too many friends to try Swept off this mountain with the wind Meet on the ledge We're gonna meet on the ledge One more time Another legendary name on the folk scene, Peggy Seeger, walked with me around her home village of Ifley near Oxford, recalling her life on the road as a singer and an activist. I would love to sing you a song that I made out of someone else's experience. That would be great. Because one of the most wonderful things that I learned from working with you and McCall and making the radio ballad is that if you want to make a song about something you know bugger all about, Go to somebody who does know about it. Don't imagine that you know what it's like to be in a wheelchair, because you don't. Uh, and I met Jennifer Jones at Greenham Common. It was a big demonstration, 30,000 women and about 6,000 police. You might have noticed on my um, mantle in the other room, I have a piece of Greenham Common fence. Yeah, it's a treasured piece. And uh, I saw Jennifer Jones in the middle of this melee of fighting police and women and everything. And she, she was in a wheelchair, and she would have been about 55 or 60, and her friends were helping her hold the bolt cutters so she could bolt cut through the fence. I tried bolt cutters. They're delicious. <laughs> They're wonderful, you know. I kept a pair down uh, once, you know, it got trouble with you and being so ill. When I felt really frustrated, I'd go down and use the bolt cutters <laughs> and on a piece of pipe, and it was just, well, just go snip. Uh, so I interviewed Jennifer Jones and made a song, which I call Woman on Wheels. So um, the first thing she said to me, when I went to record her, and I recorded her for four hours, and she just wanted me to know everything. The first thing she said was, I'm a woman on wheels. I'm a woman on wheels, but I still got my brain. I'm gonna tell you how it feels to be your own railway train rolled down to the corner. Put on your brakes, I'm gonna tell you what it takes to be a woman on wheels. Roll on Over the holes The bumps, the cracks Roll on Do you remember that day We were running for the train And my tire went flat Roll on One of our most moving experiences was when we travelled to Robin Hood's Bay in Yorkshire to meet Eliza Carthy. She took us to the farmhouse where she grew up and there, around the kitchen table, assembled her family to sing for us. Dad, Martin Carthy, Mum, Norma Waterson, now sadly no longer with us, cousin, Mary Waterson, and Aunt Anne Waterson raised their voices and sent shivers down our spines. 
So, Eliza, just tell us about the song that you're going to sing with, with the members of your family gathered here around the table. <laughs> uh, I don't think I would dare, because I learned it from them, and I would get it wrong. Well, I, I can tell you that it's called Adieu Adieu, and, uh, and then I'm going to pass you on to my parents, Mum and Dad. <laughs> Norma, do you want to Well, it, it, it comes from a group of songs called The Flash Lad. And um, there are so many different versions in uh, Scotland and England and Ireland. Um, and it's one of those songs that says, if you don't behave yourself, you're going to get sent to prison or sent or transported or something, you know, something like that. It's one of those songs that, that is um, a, a lesson learned. In quite, a, in, in quite a lot of the songs, you end up with the, with the old grey-haired mother tearing out her hair and the father crying, oh, my only son, oh and all God, that kind son. of... Oh, that, all of that kind of stuff. So they really, they really lather it on thick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're in good voice and lubricated by the tea, would you like to... <laughs> Shall we like sing that one sing? for you? There have been many fascinating insights into odd episodes from history. One of the strangest came when the irrepressible trio The Young'uns invited us to walk round the historic Hartlepool headland, where songwriter Sean Cooney used to live, and told us this story. One of our favourite stories from the headland is the story of the beacon, this great legend that comes from the time of the Spanish Armada when towns like Hartlepool on the coast would have had huge beacons that they would light in times of emergency to get the message across that an invasion was on the cards. And for some reason, according to the story, the mayor of Hartlepool lit his beacon way too early and this caused mass confusion all down the east coast of England. So the word got to Queen Elizabeth I, good Queen Bess, she sent him an angry letter saying there should be no more firing of the beacon. No more firing of the beacon. But because he was the mayor of Hartlepool and he had a few drinks, he misread the letter as no more frying of the bacon. <laughs> and he confiscated every frying pan on the headland and for years no one was allowed to fry bacon, sausage or black pudding. <laughs> I'll tell you the tale of a silly old man who confiscated all the frying pans. No more frying bacon, you silly old man. He was mistaken about the bacon and now our poor buddies, they are aching. No more frying bacon, you silly old man. Is there any well, truth in this? Well, yes, well, you, you might ask because... It's like you're making it up to me. Prove if the story is true, some workmen doing a job on St Hilda's Church in the Victorian times, a couple of hundred years later, discovered 
A whole stash of medieval frying pans buried underneath the soil there, proving the story to be true. So all because of the silly old man, Hartley Pool had a frying pan ban. No more frying bacon, you silly old man. He was mistaken about the bacon, and now our poor bellies they are aching. No more frying bacon, you silly old Join in, Matthew. Old man. He was mistaken about the bacon, and now our poor bellies they are aching. No more frying bacon, you. Silly old man. Hey! You're in the group! It's making me hungry. There are so many episodes of Folk on Foot now that we can't do them full justice here. But they're all still available for you to listen to, and I hope this selection has whetted your appetite to come on the Folk on Foot journey with us. All our audio episodes are free and you can hear them via all good podcast apps or at folkonfoot.com. But if you'd like to delve deeper into the world of Folk on Foot, you can become a patron. For a small monthly contribution, you'll be in with a chance to join us for exclusive intimate front room gigs delivered live over Zoom by some of the top artists we've walked with. And you'll be able to access Folk on Foot on Film, our ever-expanding video archive of the performances we've recorded on our travels around the UK and Ireland. Just go to patreon.com slash folkonfoot for more details and to sign up. That's patreon.com slash folkonfoot. We make this podcast for love, love of the music and musicians, love of the natural world in all its multifaceted glory, and love of telling stories in sound. There are many, many more talented artists and spectacular places to visit. With your help and support, we'd like to keep going forever. Forever.